This Dharma Talk was presented at the Austin Zen Center in Austin, Texas. For more information, visit austinzencenter.org. What am I doing here? I feel like I should be cooking. <laughs> anyway, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have an opportunity to talk. It's always wonderful to talk at Rohat, so it's usually wonderful to talk at once. We'll see about today. Um, because, you know, you're, you're just here, so it's, it's easier than being there and then coming here. Uh, so I'm just curious, how many people spend at least a little bit of their time here on the cushion sort of wondering what you're doing here? Why are you doing this, Why are you doing this crazy thing that most of the world doesn't seem to want to do and is sometimes even antagonistic about? Um, So I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, I guess, embodiment, since that seems to be what we're all doing. Um, And start out. You know, we're all all conditioned, right, from from birth to fit in, uh, to uh, not embarrass our parents. Um, to fit some kind of standard and uh, you know many of us or many of you maybe um, you get some pretty good training good parents but somehow it, there's something something not right not, not completely right and we end up in a place like this you know because somehow it feels like we're missing it, we're, we're missing the point. Or I was thinking about um, the uh, one of the slogans that we just recently talked about in the class on Lojong. Uh, the the slogan about don't be so predictable, and I I I kind of. Uh, I think that uh, that touches on all this conditioning that we have. That we're conditioned to act a certain way in a certain situation, and uh, so it's partly our conditioning, and partly it's just the ease of, of having habits, and so we and and having hindrances. I think a lot of times hindrances are what get in the way of of being spontaneous and and being able to be um, uh, not in you know causing us to be predictable so um, anyway this idea of embodiment you know we uh, we say I take refuge in Buddha before all beings entering deeply into the merciful ocean of Buddha's way how do we enter into the merciful ocean of Buddha's way Well, we do it. We do it right there while we're while we're saying that. It's like we we drop, we drop to our knees. We we drop down. We um, 
jump down and do a prostration and lift our hands above our head. Um, and we're doing. Maybe you never were in this practice before. You come here, you're new, and everyone's doing prostrations, and you do them right along with everybody else. You're dropping into the merciful ocean of Buddha. Suzuki Roshi, he uh, talked about uh, the, the Japanese word for bowing, which is uh, gotai tochi. Uh, gotai means our body, and tochi, tochi means to throw away. So we're throwing away our body. We're th- jumping into that ocean. And we can all do it, right? We can all do it. I mean, you know, of course, if you have a physical problem, you can't, but, you know. Uh, that doesn't seem to apply right now to anybody here. So we all do it. We all uh, we all throw away our body. We all throw it into the merciful ocean of Buddha, and we lose it. We lose ourself. Um, but you know it, and, and I mean that's all there is to it. We're doing it. Um, but you're probably saying, well, oh, well, really, it's not that easy. Surely, it's not that easy. But in, in one way it is, because you're, you're, you, this body here, is, is jumping into the ocean. The trouble is, the mind isn't always with us, is it? The mind is, is um, maybe it's an angry mind, or a distracted mind, or maybe it's thinking really inane thoughts. Maybe it's daydreaming, uh, but whatever. We're still we're still embodying this dropping away. We're offering ourselves to Buddha. Your mind might not. Your, you know, you can offer yourself to Buddha with your body. Your mind, however, might be saying something like, "Sorry, sorry, Buddha. I don't feel like it today," or. Um, you know, but somehow you're you're doing it. Your bow is enough. You know, it's enough. Um, so don't worry. You're doing it. You're bowing. That's all you need to worry about. You keep doing it, and after a while, uh, your mind starts to get with the program. So what we're really doing when we do things like prostrations is training. We're training our mind. Our mind is learning from our body. And eventually, um, all this physical dropping away, our mind somehow starts to get the, get the, uh, the feeling. And we do this in, um, in uh, along with in, um, talking about our twisted karma, with uh, recognizing our twisted karma, and this is repentance in Buddhism. Um, this subject of repentance and is uh, is a 
favorite subject of uh, Katagiri Roshi. And uh, he talks, and I, I think I talked about it in another talk once in, in another book that he that came out fairly recently, posthumously, of his, where he talked about re- repentance as being um, not saying you're sorry or not uh, feeling guilty in any way or or even not promising to not do it again because how often does that work really but he talks about repentance as being sort of pointing your boat in a different direction and um, he talks about it in this book Returning to Silence which is my my go-to book that has been and it was written back in the eighties, but it's still I still go to it. Uh, but he says in this book, he says that repentance in Buddhism is to lead us to be present right in the middle of peace and harmony. It's the perfect opening openness of our hearts that allows us to hear the voice of the universe beyond the irritation of our consciousness. To hear the voice of the universe beyond the irritation of our consciousness. So when he talks about hearing the voice of the universe, I think that's something like dropping into the merciful ocean of Buddha. Um, It's that it's that other realm or that other world, the world of what sometimes is called the Dharmakaya, that world of vast spaciousness, the world of emptiness, if you like that term. Um, And a lot of times our problem in being too well-conditioned is that it's hard for us to touch that other world uh, it's even hard to talk about it as another world because it isn't really a place or anything, but that it's it's really all, all all pretty much one with our regular world. That's what we I mean with our regular day-to-day life. That's what the Heart Sutra is all about. You know, so talking about form is emptiness, and emptiness is form. So in our real life, we're also swimming around in that merciful ocean of Buddha, but we don't know it, or we don't think about it. We don't, we don't, we can't feel it. So, for me, I don't know, that's a big reason for coming here, so that we can learn to know that we're swimming in the ocean, the merciful ocean of Buddha. So we do things like prostration, so we jump into the ocean, and we do, um, we bow, we, bow we, we do gasho bows to each other. Um, and again, gasho bows, I don't know, I think a, a gasho, the gasho bow is a, a bigger teacher for me than prostrations, actually. We put our hands together and our hands meet each other and two becomes one. And we bow to another person or we maybe bow to uh, something we may bow to our cushion or bow to um, the altar. And um, this, this act of bowing is, you can tell by looking at it, that it's, um, it, it's a graceful 
uh, move movement, and it's uh, it's it's a, a very uh, um, it's full of gratitude. It just looks that way, right? It just looks like when you do that, it looks like uh, like you're being grateful and you're being reverent or you're being respectful and you're being mindful and you're, you're um, just... Um, you're expressing all those things. And again, especially when you're new to the practice... That may not be the way you feel at all, um, but but you're expressing that with your body. So again, that's enough, and we can relax in that in that in that uh, gesture, just like we can relax into doing a prostration, and we can let go of worries that we're not enough or we're not really expressing ourselves properly or. Maybe we have, uh, no, not maybe in my case, but maybe we have uh, ill will towards even the person we're bowing to sometimes, right? Maybe somebody we think we don't like very much and we can, we can still do that. And uh, so doing this over time, um, you know, is, is, a, is a mind training and pretty soon we find ourselves doing it in a much more natural way uh, and feeling um, feeling really complete in, in the doing of it. But even before we feel that way, that's the point. It is complete. And, you know, as we know, what we feel is not so terribly, terribly important. We think it's what we feel is the Truth, but it rarely is. It's just how we feel. It's just, um, just passing thoughts that we grab onto, and so but then. That brings me to the biggest. Um, oh, I, I wanted to mention chanting a little bit. We chant, and that's another way of dropping into Buddha's, the uh, merciful ocean of Buddha. While chanting, you can't hear your own voice unless you're chanting too loud, but usually you can't hear your own voice because your voice is lost in that big... Um, the big sound of everyone chanting together. I've always, I was, it always would amaze me uh, that people seem to like to chant. Um, when I taught in prison, I thought, well, I have to spend some time explaining this, you know, because they're going to think this is weird and they're not uh, going to resist. But no, they love it. And um, I think I loved it when I first started chanting. Did you all like chanting when the first time you did it? It's just, it's kind of like, well, kind of like singing without the tune, but, you know. Um, 
But then I wanted to talk about the, big, the biggest ritual that we do. What do you think the biggest ritual, the most time-consuming ritual that we perform is? Our zazen, our zazen is is a ritual, and um, so we're sitting here and we're we're very still, right? Everybody's still. It's very quiet in here. Um, Again, what's going on inside? Is it always still and quiet inside? Screaming. Screaming is going on. Nattering. Complaining. Whining. Um, when's the bell going to ring? It's just, you know, it's all, all kinds of dissonance going on. doesn't look like it, though. It looks so... It, it looks amazing. So still. Everyone's... So this ritual, just like bowing, is teaching us something, of course. Sitting in stillness and silence is is our our body te- teaching our mind and giving a place, giving leaving a space for for our for our mind to settle down. We can't we can't really do it without uh, our body leading the way. I don't know how many people try to meditate in other positions between, besides sitting on a cushion or on a chair and, and actually dedicating that sitting to to sitting. I mean, in other words, I, I mean, I can't meditate laying down and I can't meditate if I'm just sitting on the couch or um, it seems like I need to have some... Um, intention to, and I need my body to be really uh, showing me the way by breathing in and out and following the breath. Well, that's my mind actually, but I need to be, I need to have my body bring me to this, this place. And you know, it's the same thing. Just like when we bow and we do prostration or we do gasho bow or chant, we're still doing those things whether our mind is on board or not. So when we're sitting here doing zazen, maybe our mind's wondering, maybe we're angry, um, maybe we're screaming at ourselves or screaming at someone else. Um, Maybe we're wanting to be someplace else. But we're sitting here. We're still. The rest of the world, to the rest of the world, we're still. You know, our little, our little body sitting here uh, 
radiating stillness and uh, silence. It's kind of like those Tibetan prayer flags that flutter and send out, send out vibrations to the world. So our sitting still here is uh, important. It's important to the rest of us here. Uh, yesterday, I I left the container of the session for a whole half of a day, and I felt really bad about that because it's just so important to uh, show up here. It, it's so important to the rest of us to to see this. Uh, this whole body of people, this whole... Um, we're so inspired by seeing other people being here. And so when someone leaves, it's it's a loss. And I felt like I was... Um, well, I felt bad about not being here. But, you know, once I got away, I had to do something I was obligated to do in the afternoon, and then I thought, well, I'll just work on this talk in the evening. I wish I hadn't. I wish I'd come here anyway. Um... Um, because once I was away, it seemed like it seemed like a, a, I was a million miles away from you guys. You know, I just I couldn't hardly remember what it was like to be here. It's funny. But this morning, after I, I, uh, when I came into the zendo at, at six, I don't know. It was just to see all these people here. I come here in the mornings a lot, but there's usually you know not that many people, maybe four or five. And I walked in and, well, wow, it was very heartening and really pulled uh, me together. Um, so we're all important. We're all important to this process. And and seeing somebody else sitting beautifully and sitting still is. Is, is just terribly inspiring. No matter what's going on in their head, you know? Something's going on in their head. It might be driving them crazy. It might be driving you crazy what's going on in your head. But, you know, it's really not all that terribly important. All that stuff that goes on in our head. Um, It's like being Tenzo and like just, you know, I mean, you know, you talk about Zen Zen warriors, right? Zen warriors. Didn't Trump write a book about the the warrior? Well, I'm not a Zen warrior, but some of the, most of the time I'm a Zen warrior. I'm a Zen (laughs) warrior. (laughs) And I just worry about the craziest things. And even though I know I don't need to worry about it, I know that if I don't get here this morning that Josh will be here and he would make the he would make the the, the meal. I didn't have to be here, but I worry. And I and it's a kind of a a, a kind of a not trusting, I guess. Or, or not even really you know, and I, I guess it comes from maybe a not trusting myself, so I project that on everyone else, trusting not trusting other people. So uh and so as intellectually as I know that worrying is just silly and a waste of time and uh, especially in this place things usually work and things always work out really they work out somehow maybe you know maybe it's not <laughs> what I had in mind but you know it's okay you know that expression about 
Don't sweat the small stuff. And guess what? It's, it's all small stuff. Um, so, um, it's okay though. I mean, all right. I'm, all right, I'm probably going to worry until the day I die. I might start worrying about my coffin and where I'm going to be buried and or where I'm going to be cremated or I'll be worrying about those things right up to the very end, I'm quite sure. <laughs> but you know, it's kind of okay. It's all right. It's my little problem. And uh, if I can just look at it like my little problem and it, it, it kind of can distance those, can distance those worries a little bit from me. Um, but I, anyway, I guess my point, my, the reason I got into that was just talking about how we're sitting still, we're sitting silent, and it's okay. It's really okay. Relax. Relax into it and, um, you know, sort of watch those worries and maybe laugh a little bit at them and let them pass. Let them move on. Suzuki Roshi says to invite them into tea. In other words, don't reject them. Don't hate yourself because you're worrying. Um, just let it, let it step back a little bit. Um, uh, Saturday, no, the first night was Saturday, the first the day at first day of the scene was Saturday, and I was, uh, I didn't get much sleep the night before, or the night before that, and I was really, really tired, and, you know, the, the night sits, the, the evening sit was, uh, was hard, and I was like, um, I can't wait to get home. I was just coping, I was just hanging on by a thread, you know, I was like, all I could think about was how much I wanted to be home in bed and when was the bell going to ring and it wasn't much longer. And uh, But somewhere in the midst of that, a little voice said, you know, this time is very precious. This time that you're dedicating to this and doing it all day long. This is very special time and you're wasting it by sitting here wanting to be someplace else. And so my body lifted, my ribs lifted, my, you know, I, I learned this little thing from Esther Gokali, and she was here, she gave a little free, and um, she talks about, I know I'm off on a little tangent, but this is kind of, might be interesting to you and helpful, um, she feels like uh, Americans, somehow we got it into our heads as a, as a culture that it's good to, you know, put your chest out and, you know, and uh, she feels that in other cultures people don't do that. They don't put their chest out. Their back is more, their backbone is more straight because putting your chest out makes your, your backbone curve more. And her theory is that's why we have so much back problems in this country. Anyway, she taught this one little thing that I've been doing and I love it. It's kind of a little shrug that you do with your two shoulders. You just move this one back, and then you move this one back. And I've even been, I've been doing it sitting on the cushion. And uh, it's just, 
I don't know. It's just it's a very. I have a lot of trouble with tension in my shoulders. I don't know how many other people have that problem. At least yeah, I see a few. Uh, so much so that um, you know, I'll I'll let I'll let my sh- I'll, I'll relax and let my arms just hang, and then um, you know, two minutes later, it's tense again. You know, it's just, it, and I know it's, that's another thing I'm going to probably be doing the rest of my life. But you know, I don't really mind it too much because it feels so good when you let go. So when you realize that you're, you're tense and you let go, it, it really feels good. So I get to do that the rest of my life, I guess. That's okay. But anyway, that, that was what happened is my body kind of took over once I realized I was sitting on my cushion. I was coping. I was like thinking about getting home. I was, I was probably slumped over a little bit. And I just, my body straightened up. And when my body straightened up, it kind of cleared everything. It cleared, it cleared my head out. And uh, so I guess that's, I guess the, the kind of the gist of my message here today is that, is our body's here for us. And use that body to, um, to bring you, to bring you here. Just use your body. It's, that's um, what it's for, and that embodiment of the practice, that body embodiment of stillness, is um, is our. Uh, I can't think of the right word for it, but anyway, it's a good thing. <laughs> so, um, you know, just. When the going gets tough, just start paying attention to the different parts of your body. You start at your feet and go go on up your body. Feel the feel your feet and say thank you to your feet for carrying you around and say thank you to your well, say thank you to your eyes and your your brain. That's what I love about this practice. It gives us a chance to sit still and pay attention to things that we don't normally pay attention to and marvel, and really marvel at what we are. You know, what our bodies are, you know? Um, When you think that we have a piece of meat in our head that generates thoughts, and little eyeballs made out of meat that see things? I mean, it's pretty awesome, isn't it? I realize I'm really digressing. (laughs) But I know, one of my favorite things to do is just marvel at, you know, people look for miracles, look no further than the human body. Uh, just a couple words here at the end about about the wonderfulness of silence. We're sitting here and we're silent. What is wonderful of silence? I lost my notes. Oh, here it is. Okay. Silence. Silence is a, a big connector isn't it? We can all sit here silently together and we're all creating this silence together. 
if somebody's making noise, that's that person is making noise, that self is making noise. But when we're sitting here in silence, we're, we're joined. Until we start talking to each other. And then somehow the little spell is broken and the, the bubble bursts and So we sit here all day with no conversations, no hugging, no flattery, no games, no bonding, no laughter. And yet, strangely enough, there's not, as I experienced that anyway, not much loneliness, is there? I don't know. I don't feel ever feel lonely sitting in the sendo with other people. Oh, it's kind of strange. So we sit here and we, we sit in silence and we, we tap we tap into we tap into that that merciful ocean of Buddha, which is within us, right? I, it's hard to not think of the merciful ocean of Buddha or the Dharmakaya or all these things as places. So I kind of have a place in my body where I think of my my, my still and silent places and I, it's kind of in my uh, behind my mudra. Um, that's where do you all have a place where your where your silent place is, or your your still silent spot? Um, you know this still silent place that we all have, which is our our little reservoir of the Buddha's merciful ocean that we carry around. Um, it's kind of like our, our center of gravity. You know, we don't ever think about our center of gravity, and yet it's always there, always. We can't get away from it. It's always with us. It just happens to be around the same place where your mudra is. So I like to think about the center of gravity and kind of relax into it. I've always got a center of gravity don't know what would happen if I didn't, but I don't have to worry because it's always going to be there. Okay, I think I, I think it's time. It's 11, so. Um, time to do in him, I think. So, so let's take our bodies and go out walking together, following our footsteps, feeling the muscles in our legs as we lift and set down, feeling the bottoms of our feet, maybe feeling our footprint as it trods the ground or the floor, and just 
Let this body show us the way. Show us the way to um, to be to be in that ocean of the merciful ocean of Buddha.